This is Purple Radio On Demand. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to the JYLM show on Purple Radio. First of all, happy Chinese New Year to all my friends who celebrate it. My show was on last term on Saturdays at 2pm, but this term it will be on Sundays at 11am. So this is an hour-long show where I take you with me to discover more about the university art scene and wander through broad themes in society and the arts. So I hope this term has treated you well so far for just like the two weeks because I personally feel so tired all the time. But anyway, hopefully this show will start your Sunday right. And today I'm really excited to have on my show Megan Jamieson and Lottie Dick from Durham University Charity Fashion Show, which is one of the largest events in the Durham social calendar so I'm so excited to have them on my show. So for those of you who don't know which I think most people listening to this show should know DUCFS is an entirely student-run event that raises funds for charity through DUC which is Durham University Charities Committee and apart from having the annual fashion show they also have a whole schedule of events including art showcases, discussion panels and so on so they'll be telling us more about that and this year they're actually working with two charities Stop the Traffic and Fashion Revolution so um, I'll get Lottie and Megan to introduce themselves. <laughs> um, so I'm Lottie, I'm the Vice President of Operations and Logistics. Hi, I'm Megan Jameson and I'm Charity Director. Thank you very much for having us on the show. Yeah, no problem at all. So um, first of all, would you like to tell us a bit about the charities that DUCFS is working with this year? Um, so our first charity that we're partnering with is Stop the Traffic, which is a UK-based but kind of globally exploring Mm-hmm. Um, trafficking and how we can prevent it in society and then Fashion Revolution our second charity is it focuses also on the human aspects of the fashion industry but it's both social and environmental negative impacts of the fashion industry and how they can be mitigated yeah so they have quite different approaches okay. so Stop the Traffic is um, far more intelligence based so it's a charity that works with technology to try and anticipate Um, places where human trafficking will take place and also to gather information from places that are experiencing human trafficking to try and help create preventative measures. In comparison, Fashion Revolution takes a much more creative approach. Mm. They're specifically soliciting the fashion industry at quite a high level to try and influence British Fashion Council, large designers to alter their ways of um, producing clothes. Um, So they take a much more... um, I'd say affluent and creative approach to the way they go about things. Um, and we felt that this year they represented um, two very important sides of the cause that we are trying to promote this year. Mm-hmm. And therefore it made sense to join them um, yeah. as, as a cause. It's a really interesting pairing, I think. Like What you say, one is like more um, technological and one is more like creative. So how has it been like working with them? Or how have you gone about raising awareness for this cause so far? Um, I think it's been really, really enjoyable on my end. One of my main roles is to kind of act as an intermediary between the charities and the exec and the, the wider organisation. Um, I've really, really enjoyed working with everyone. I think it's obviously when you're working with two very different types of organisations, lots of different backgrounds and personalities, massive. But it's been really enjoyable. It's I, I think one of the things I've enjoyed most is whilst it's been challenging, has been explaining to people and getting them to understand more about the way that the charities work and what their aims are. I think coming into the role, a lot of people don't necessarily realise what, say, labour trafficking is or um, how the social aspects of worker exploitation tie in with the environmental aspects and how, as consumers, we can kind of change our habits to correct issues. Um, But Mm. it's 
been really, really enjoyable from that front. And I also think in terms of building our campaign, it's been really, really useful to have such a variety of expertise. So we are um, launching our campaign, hopefully not too long after the show. Um, and it's been really, really useful to have the intelligence-based approach of Stop the Traffic and that kind of preventative um, aspect of it, something that they're doing at the moment, which is really cool, is they've basically built this algorithm where they mm-hmm. can begin to, as Lottie Fuller touched on, they can mm-hmm. begin to map potential trafficking hotspots in the future. So it's not just looking at where the current vulnerabilities in the supply chain, it's looking at, you know, based on the demographic of those vulnerabilities, how can we look at where's going to come next and stop the trafficking before it actually begins and the exploitation before it begins. Um, it's really pragmatic and it's such it's offered us such such strong expertise within work of exploitation. And then I think on fashion revolutions and also they have had so much expertise on work of exploitation, specifically in the garment industry, they have a lot of expertise, but then also bringing in that sort of creative approach. They are, I think, so unique as a charity in their focus on creative output. And that's something that we've also been able to put to use in our uh, DCFS weekend at the charity exhibition and also in the campaign when it's launched. Yeah, so just to kind of expand on a bit that Megan was talking about. So this year we've done something quite different in terms of charities. Mm-hmm. Um, normally each year what DCFS has historically done is partner with a charity and raise uh, money for them and then basically donate that lump sum to the charity for them to use at will. This year what we wanted to do was do something quite different and have more autonomy and control over the direction of our donation because mm-hmm. it's quite a large donation. Yeah. And often what we found in choosing charities is something that can be quite difficult is there are so many great charities that you want to give money to and often a lot of smaller ones that do a lot of amazing work and sometimes better work than yeah. larger charities. But to donate such a huge sum to a small charity can actually really overwhelm them and they don't mm. really have the resources to know what to do with it. So that kind of started our conversation about, well, how are we going to manage our donation this year? Where are we going to direct it to? And we knew that we wanted to look at the human side of the fashion industry and the damaging effects that it can cause. Mm-hmm. And when we found these two charities, we thought, These are both charities working in similar fields that haven't necessarily massively crossed over before. What would be amazing is to bring them together and to create a campaign as a three-way triangle, sort of traffic, DCFS and fashion revolution, to have something coming from this year's campaign that was tangible, that we had created as a three. Um, And then we would split the rest of the profits between the two charities equally for them, as we've done in the past, for them to use between themselves. So what we've done this year is we've um, donated uh, or we've allocated a a small amount of the funds to create what Fashion Revolution called a zine, um, which Megan can talk a little bit more about. (laughs) Um, But that's something that will be launched at some point later on. Um, But what we've done with it is that we wanted to pass on something that would be there for future generations and enable to um, leave a legacy, I think, of DCFS this year and something that we can um, think of as um, poignant for the campaign and something that Mm -hmm. encapsulates what um, the exec and the charities do as a whole. Yeah, I think just to further what Lottie said in terms of maximising our donation, for us, a campaign was a really brilliant way to do that as well because I think one of the best ways to get people to engage with the cause and to therefore donate and kind of share um, 
that with us is to get them to have a personal engagement and I think they're both such such brilliant charities but ultimately people will engage on a personal level more with one or the other in a lot of cases that's what Mm -hmm. I've kind of found in terms of marketing charity um but building this kind of tailor campaign and offering a kind of bridge between the two organizations and the two kind of issues that they're tackling sorry (laughs) sorry um will offer a way to get people engaged with the kind of wider umbrella of what the two organizations are working on as well so it's, it's a great way to get people extra engaged with our cause it's given you a lot more ammunition to go and look into local projects as well hasn't it you felt where we could find the cause more locally and help people help local charities yeah. in similar situations yeah i think DUCFS has grown exponentially over the last few years i remember i've been talking now when i was a freshman it was nowhere near the same size it was starting mm-hmm. to, to grow massively but not to the scale that we're seeing it at the moment um and part of that is that we're massively out expanding like our operations so things like the DCFS weekend this year but also we're trying to expand our kind of community focus so we've been chatting to a couple of kind of local outreach community projects um that aren't necessarily working on the same specific issue that we're focusing on but share a lot of common ground for instance you know using creativity to tackle um their kind of local social issues and um acting as a kind of intermediary for wider society projects to bring communities together. I think a lot of those are themes that are really, really important in the work of both of our charities and in our campaign. So it's given us a really, really good way to do that as well, I would say. Um, would you like to tell us more about the DUCFS weekend, which was on like a few Fridays ago, I think? Um, yeah, so it was really <laughs> successful. Um, our brilliant, brilliant arts event, so I went to like Hugo, um, orchestrated it. So it began on the Friday evening. We had a, a keynote speaker series and a panel discussion. Um, so we kind of split it into blocks. We had um, a really um, thought invoking, uh, really moving, I don't know how to <laughs> justice, um, yeah. testimonial from a human trafficking survivor, Sunny, um, which I think was just such an insightful experience and something that was so unique i've never um, experienced anything like that before um and then we had someone coming from the helen bamba foundation which um works with human trafficking survivors to try and rehabilitate them into society and mm-hmm. jane is a medical practitioner so she's like literally on the front line of rehabilitating yeah. um, trafficking survivors so i think a really really useful and insightful discussion into how human trafficking manifests itself and how it affects the individual level. again that it's it's all about getting people to engage with the cause on a personal level and yeah. you know i think you can look at something like trafficking and if, if you don't if you ha- haven't been trafficked yourself which fortunately a lot of us haven't and if you yeah. haven't you are in contact with someone you don't know someone who's been trafficked it's difficult to understand what that actually means for that individual mm-hmm. and i think being able to engage with it and understand even a certain, even a small part of what it would feel like to be that vulnerable, vulnerable and feel that isolated, um, you're beginning you're beginning to engage with it. Um, we then had a panel discussion, which was brilliant. I, Lottie and I actually facilitated it, so obviously we're kind of biased in that respect. Um, we had the CEO of Sort of Traffic and the CEO of um, Fashion Revolution oh, also, oh. which was such an honour for us to host. Yeah. Um, we also had 
um, the CEO of the Linden Style Modeling Agency, which is a ethical modeling agency, which is the first of its kind to pay models the day after the shoot. A lot of times models wait six months sometimes to get paid. So it's all about promoting integrity, financial independence, and looking at worker ex worker exploitation, but not necessarily in, in the way that we would use the term colloquially. So I think a lot of the time when you think worker exploitation, you're thinking of abuses in kind of like distant economies, factories, manufacturing, agricultural, those kind of areas. But you know, what in work exploitation is still occurring in the modeling agency if you're not getting paid. So it was offering just a different perspective on how a small business is working to prevent it in their own in their own way within their own industry. Um, and then we also had a, a model called Delina, who was working with Lyndon Stout specifically in Ethiopia to target sexual harassment and human trafficking. Um, so we were discussing who bears the burden of worker exploitation, um, things like the importance of community, the um, importance of the consumer, but also the importance of businesses and how everyone can kind of work together to make a, a, like a long-term systemic and structural difference. Um, and then we had a talk from the Linda Star Modeling Agency just to discuss a bit more about their unique approach to the industry. And then finally, we had a really brilliant talk by Jennifer Ewar, who um, is the co-founder of founder, sorry, of Eden uh, Diodati. And all of her artisans, the jewelry brand, if anyone doesn't know, Scott and Harvey Nicks, um, if you'd like to have a look, but all of her artisans are women who are survivors of the Rwandan genocide as well. Oh. So... Again, a really important business model to for, for individuals to learn more about. Um, and then on the Saturday, we had so much going on. Um, thank you so much to anyone who came down and joined us. We had in the Pemberton buildings, we had a Depop shop with sellers coming and offering you know, like a unique try before you buy experience, which obviously you don't get. Um, but still promoting shopping secondhand and a bit more conscious consumption than you know, fast fashion. Yeah. Um, we had a lot of local student creatives kind of coming and showcasing their designs, things like printed t-shirts, puffer jackets, things like that, um, which was really brilliant to promote local business and um, conscious design. Um, and then we also had a clothes swap, which was run by mm -hmm. our lovely models in the set, where people could come and bring their own clothes in, or they could just come and buy tokens, and then, um, you know, you could get involved with the cause by getting some cool new clothes as well, which is okay. <laughs> um, and then at Chad's, we had um, an incredible, incredible art showcase, which Meg designed and put together with loads of student designers, um, loads of Newcastle-based designers, like national-based designers. They all sent yeah. over beautiful pieces of artwork. And then we had a performance from the uh, Poetry Society, which was lovely. Um, they've also done an article for Platinum, if anyone would like to have a look. And, and then some wonderful musical performances so all in all it's such a, a wide range of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah no i think um just to give a bit more like context as to what the weekend is yeah. as a concept mm -hmm. um what we wanted to do this year was last year they had a lot of singular events kind of dotted across the year like an art showcase a clothes swap they had the festival of sustainability um and we felt that Something that's really important to the progression of the UCFS as an organisation is to provide a creative platform for those in Durham who um, are either creative or want to be introduced to the creative scene to have 
a platform where they can experience different creative mediums, learn different creative mediums themselves, and also have the opportunity to exhibit and promote the work that they do. Because it's something that's not really present in Durham as a university. I think it's very difficult to have that kind of opportunity as an individual and to express that with quite a mainly, I'd say, academic and sporty university, drama as well, but not necessarily creative in the wider sense. And we really feel a responsibility on ourselves as an organisation to provide that platform and that opportunity for people that are interested in that area. So the DTFS weekend was about bringing all of those aspects that last year did together into one kind of hub and hotspot where we would provide a sort of a creative festival um, that we only hope will grow and grow each year um, and that would give a variety of different activities that Megan has has gone through that um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah that would provide those kind of activities that would give everyone an opportunity no matter your skill level no matter your interest creatively creatively to not only connect creativity to our cause each year but also just to express and experience different things that you can't otherwise at the university um so that was really really important to us this year and i'm sure we'll come on to it later but kind of has filtered out into other aspects of our organization as a whole this year and yeah. um, that was kind of the context behind it um and to kind of create and facilitate that communication between durham creatives and as you say national and locally based externally to the university as well yeah i think celebrating the, the northeast as an artistic hub i think there's actually so such a wealth of creativity up here but um it's not necessarily given the recognition that it deserves. yeah not publicized yeah. i think like, it's so good that there's such a huge platform but like as you say bringing all these things together as well yeah, yeah and, and i also think i mean not to focus solely on the charity <laughs> but from a charity perspective um it was a really useful way to get people to again engage with the cause on a personal level because i think sometimes if you're faced with a massive social issue like sustainability environmental sustainability is our focus last year or worker exploitation and then told well the burden is partly on you to, to change this through your habits it, i think it can be so overwhelming and you people people are so desperate to do what they can on an individual level but they just don't know how so i think giving people that kind of means and saying well you know coming and joining in with a clothes swap you are you're not adding to the fast fashion churn and, you, and you're not you know you're decreasing your carbon footprint so there's this it's getting people to understand more about our cause without necessarily like subconsciously yeah i think particularly with charities it can be really easy in modern society to just think about them and focus on them as either reading a newspaper article and thinking oh something horrible is happening to this person or the environment is degrading or Mm -hmm. to think oh i should be donating to charity because that's the right thing to do and i think something that we really wanted to do this year was create a charitable focus but from a different angle and allow people to access it in a non-mundane um, way, in a way that they wouldn't necessarily even think that they were engaging with the charities, mm-hmm. but that they were able to connect to something through a creative pathway. So one someone particular that jumps out to me um, is um, the wonderful student artist Gabriel, who created a stunning classical um, portrait so of... Um, of a girl um, who was um, picking grapes um, and he basically did the entire thing inspired by DUCFS and, and the theme this year mm-hmm. and it was such a stunning piece of artwork that's going to be auctioned on Saturday night oh, at our wow. um, show actually um, which we're really really excited about 
Um, and I think it just kind of shows the way that someone who may not necessarily have engaged with DCFS before um, or people who may not have wanted to come to the show and who may not really believe in some of the other aspects that we that we draw on really have the opportunity to understand our cause and understand what our organisation is really about from a purely mm. artistic and um, yeah charitable level. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, so you say a lot about personal engagement. I'm just wondering, is there anything that sort of surprised you or that you learned about the charities or the causes through this long process of working with all of them and collaborating with so many different people who work on this cause? Um, so much. Um, <laughs> I'll try and keep it succinct. Uh, <laughs> to anyone on the exec who's already had this kind of spouted at them, but I think for me, it was a massive learning curve. In the, within the charity selection, obviously, um, myself and the president's team had, you know, kind of background knowledge into things like human trafficking, worker exploitation, um, but no, n- not a dent in what is actually going on and, and, the, and the, the complexity of the issue. And I think something that's really, really surprised me in the process is how embedded worker exploitation is in society. It's not just, you know, I think people obviously know a lot about things like the Rana Plaza tragedy and it's true that like, worker exploitation is is so rife in the garment industry but it's mm-hmm. also present in cocoa and it's present in coffee, it's present in not just cotton but polyester. Yeah. Every, almost everything we wear and use, mm-hmm. more or less technology, phones, laptops, is has at some in some link in the chain has got worker exploitation present in it and I think that could be overwhelming but I think it, it uh, evidence is why it's so important to take that extra bit of time to learn more about where your you know purchases are coming from and if there is work education present how you can mitigate that because it's you you, you know on an individual level you're probably never going to be able to completely eradicate it from your purchases um it's nearly impossible as we said it's in almost everything yeah. we use um but if you're aware that it's there, you're going to think twice before, you know, buying that extra T-shirt that you thought you maybe needed, you know, buying something off a fast fashion brand because it was quicker than taking the time to go and trawl through a shop. You know, we're all busy individuals, but it it just encourages you to just think a little bit more before you buy things. Um, one of Fashion Revolution's main campaign hashtags this year was who made my clothes. And I think I've learned so, so much about that and, and it, I think it's, it's it's changed my consumption habits massively. Hopefully, my housemates too. They've had a lot of me creeping after. Um, but yeah, I mean, I on a personal level, I really really try to avoid buying anything on, online or fast fashion if I can avoid it. Predominantly buy like secondhand charity shops, Depop, or if I am going to buy something new, you know, buying something that has longevity and utility in that. Even if you are buying something that you don't necessarily know 100% the origins of, mm-hmm. that at least you're going to have it for a really, really long time and you're therefore, therefore minimising how many purchases you're making that are contributing to that global supply chain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think for me, um, kind of two things really. So when I first um, joined the presidential team, my first yeah. thought when we chose the campaign and everything was right, okay, I can't do this. Um, and be in this organisation without faithfully 
trying to represent what we stand for because that would mm-hmm. make the organization false um so i wanted to as a person really try and embody the values that we represented because yeah. i think fundamentally it's so hypocritical otherwise um, yeah. and it would devalue the organization as a whole so um it was difficult at first because i think you don't really realize and this is something that i've learned you don't really realize how widespread your consumption habits are how easy it is to go on ASOS or Nasty Gal and, and just buy a pack <laughs> order because you've got your loan in this month and you're like, fuck it, I need some clothes. Um, especially <laughs> especially in the run up to the show. Yeah, particularly. so busy, obviously, organising the show. And I think that that obviously is a temptation there when you're thinking, well, we need to have we need to have an outfit for the show and I need something that I can get fast and I need it now and I need it to be sorted so it's one less thing yeah. to worry about. But... You I think know, if you it's take really a, important to think about it. Yeah, I think if you take a breath and you're like, right, okay, um, how am I going to do this without, you know, engaging in fast fashion? I think the other thing that surprised me, so like, yeah, the first thing is how widespread it is, but then the second thing is how actually easy it is to switch mm-hmm. your habits. So I'd say probably, I mean, I definitely have slip ups. I'm not perfect, and, yeah, you know, yeah. but I think. I really, really try hard now. And I would say since January last year, maybe like, maybe that's a lie, maybe like February, March, I have done 90% of my shopping from charity shops, Depop, um, the show. Um, we've both bought things from Hire Street or other um, hiring organisations like Rotaro, which are great. Um, and I've really tried to think about on every purchase, like, how am I going to do this without engaging in those kind of industries? Because I think you can't, once you understand it, once you're involved in these charities, once you go to a speaker series and hear what Jennifer Uwa has to say about the people behind um, the clothing industry, Mm -hmm. I don't think, I think it's almost impossible to consciously make those purchases because Mm. you now fully understand the impact of what you're doing. You have no ignorance anymore. You have no bliss. So I think (laughs) it's, from an exec perspective, it's been so important for us to all learn from the charities as a whole, understand what we've been doing and really take on board um, the lessons that we've had and implement them into our lives. Um, so one of my, my housemate and my best friend, um, I love her to pieces, but she's probably one of the most like biggest boohoo, like nasty gal purchases <laughs> on the planet. Um, yeah, and she, um, she came to um, the speaker series um, and just watched the last one by Jennifer Uwa, who was, you know, they were all fantastic, but she was yeah. definitely by far the most motivational speaker, I would say, just in terms of like her delivery. Um, and my housemate came away and she was like, wow, I really, um, I've really got like, something's just clicked in my head and I feel really uncomfortable about the purchases that I made yesterday. Yeah, um, yeah. And she was like, and then for the show, um, she'd already bought something for the show and she was like, I felt so embarrassed, like walking around Durham with it that I like <sighs> hid the purchase under my coat because it just made me feel so uncomfortable that I'd engaged in this after hearing Whoa, what was yeah. happening. And I think in a different way to sustainability, there's something that you can connect to with um, yeah. human trafficking and worker exploitation mm-hmm. because it's um, another human life. Um, and I think once you hear about the massive atrocities that occur internationally not just in the stereotypical um lower economically developed countries but right on our doorstep in the northeast in leicester like it's so widespread and once you understand that i think it's very difficult to to go to keep going through the process and to maintain your habits um so i think that's the biggest thing that we've all learned um 
by being deeply involved in these causes. And I would argue is one of the best things about being involved in DCFS. I think it has quite, it can have historically quite a negative reputation in the sense that it's a lot of um, privileged students throwing around money trying to just raise money for a cause and I think in the past that was understandable but I think particularly in the last two years it has really shifted its its bias and changed its focus um, and for us it is it genuinely is within the exec and within the models deeply about engaging with something beyond themselves representing that and trying to change other people's views and mindsets and I think having the opportunity to engage in that cause so deeply and really be a part of its promotion is quite, I would I would argue, is quite an honour yeah, to be able to, sure. to do that and to be able to communicate with these charities who dedicate their lives to servicing other people. Um, so that's something that I've really taken away, just a sense of, I suppose, like an empowerment on that topic and from those people and the sense of um, inspiration from the people that really do that. And, and also just kind of noticing the way that it dominates our society, but also noticing how easy it is to change and that, you know, we all make excuses about time and money and things like that. But I would honestly say I now spend less money on clothes than I did before, even though my... Probably I'm a bit of a... Sh- time. Yeah. Less time trawling ASOS <laughs> for like... Yeah, completely. Because you're bored <laughs> <of> <laughs> is still annoying. Sorry. Like, I do still draw it like most of my time. And I'm quite a shopaholic. So, you know, I think that's quite a big statement to say that I spend less money and you know and enjoy shopping the same if not more actually because I don't feel as like soulless about it Mm -hmm. and I don't feel as um kind of dissatisfied by the whole process like I'm finding things and there's a sense of achievement in that like you found something unique that you really love when you've tried to like search for it um so yeah I think that's what I've taken away personally from the fashion show yeah, I, I, com- I completely agree. I think one of the most poignant things, there was a lot, but one of the most poignant <laughs> things that Jennifer touched on in her um, uh, speaker series uh, talk was that she went to, so she's, she's a jewellery artist, as we mentioned, but she went to a jewellery conference and it was, um, she wouldn't name them, but it was a, a quite large global branded um, jewellery chain. And right. they said, we are an ethical jewellery brand because we have a zero fatality rate. And if if that if that was said about working conditions in say the UK, people would be yeah. outraged. Um, and mm-hmm. I think it's you. How could you consciously, if you if you'd heard them say that, knowing that yes, no one might have died, <laughs> or they might have avoided letting Death, someone die. Yeah. You know, yes. people could still have gotten very close to that. How could you continue to wear a piece of jewellery from that brand? Yeah. I think there is just such discomfort. Um, but I do think, which, I, which Lottie really touched on there, is I, I think something that I've really, really enjoyed about my role and I've really enjoyed about working with these particular charities is the massive focus on empowerment and understanding. You know, it's from a, like an, a consumer level, from an individual level, it's, it's developing that understanding but I think also so much of the, the, the work that the charities do is empowering people that are either victims of work reputation or could be vulnerable to becoming victims you know it's one of stop the traffic's main focuses for instance is is they they geo-target Facebook ads so that the information is there even if it's subconscious to the people that might be vulnerable to, to human trafficking but they're not saying you know don't be traffic they're saying here are the signs Here's how you can begin to make an informed choice. If you still choose to, you know, go down this particular path, knowing that that, that there might be there might be a risk of, of say trafficking or exploitation, then that then 
at least it's been your choice. It's, you know, no, it's an informed, yeah, it's, it's an informed, an informed decision. decision. Um, obviously, they're doing so much to prevent people being trafficked in the first place, but I think ultimately one thing that we want people to understand is that you can't get structural long-term change by shouting at people and saying don't do that because you know bad habits will fall through and and, you know I think the best way to get people to change their mindsets and to change the culture and society is to have that feeling of empowerment people respond much better to positive reinforcement and if you're getting that feeling of I'm so glad that I spent this time to find something that was an ethical purchase like I've got this bag (laughs) sorry to be like (laughs) Uh, classic charity director but I got this bag that I found in this um, shop in Vista that mm. is made out of um, recycled cotton and it uses water-based dyes that don't pollute the local water supply and it's made in a factory um, that uses renewable energy to power it and I my friends tease me relentlessly for it but I love it and I, I get such a like a positive kind of buzz. feel every time <laughs> yeah such a buzz every time I use it and that is something that will spur me on to the next time I'm buying a bag. Think, be thinking more about that. You know, I people just don't respond well to criticism, yeah. and I think something that we've really tried to embed into the campaign and to and into the activities that we're doing, both with this show itself, but with everything else that we're doing, is getting that personal engagement and that understanding, but from a much more positive perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's been something that I've actually really enjoyed. It must be so fulfilling for you and and yeah. for all the people who attended event you sort of see it from the point of view as a choice that you're making like i have the power to make mm. all these choices and to know so much about the choices you've made so i think there was a lot of information yeah, about the causes and check no it's, it's great it's great i think it's really good that you have all this like great commitment on your part to the cause and on sort of co- coordinating the whole event around uh, not just event i mean the whole campaign around all this um so i think We'll go on a short break with a song and then afterwards we'll hear more about the fashion show itself, what the process was like and how it's like being on the exact. So um, the next song is I Don't Want It At All by Kim Petras. That was I Don't Want It At All by Kim Petras and you're listening to the JY Lim show. It's now 11.38.39 um, and um, today we've got, if you're listening to this before, it was actually an interview with um, Lottie and Megan from DUCFS about um, the process of working on this. So before we had a lot about the causes and charities and now they'll be telling us a bit more about the fashion show itself. Yeah, so... Um, for those who were tuning in before, um, <laughs> Megan and I were basically talking about the charities this year and our um, our focus for it. Um, 
the well, that's something we wanted to do very strongly this year, and Anna Moran, who is the vice president creator, particularly enforced, was um, a very cohesive, um, charitable, and creative vision tie. Mm-hmm. So um, we really wanted the the walk structure, the creative brochure, the designers that we incorporated, the experience of the fashion show as a whole to be directly linked to the progression of the issue that we were supporting. Mm-hmm. So this year. Um, the creative vision is done as a novel. So there are seven chapters um, which kind of line the progression and the journey of a worker um, from kind of exploitation and entrapment to resolution and individuality. So something that basically tells the trajectory of what we want to do with this campaign is to kind of help those who do feel in those kind of situations across the world and to try and support them and advocate their cause and advocate their issues to provide a platform of resolution and of individuality and kind of the ending of it, which is the revival chapter, is to strip everyone back. Um, And it's the idea that underneath everything when we take everything away all the connotations that are associated with human trafficking and worker exploitation um, we are all fundamentally human beings and that's what we want to celebrate and that's what we want to connect with each other globally um so the, the photos and the chapters that have been released um are particularly the first part of the story mm-hmm. um looking at um, the amplification of the problem the trap that people find themselves in um, the idea that um, we have traced back the root of the problem all the way to industrial and pre-industrial times. And I think what I would really emphasise for people to look out for in the show, because I think it will genuinely really improve your experience, is to look at the photo shoots that we've done so far, find those connections and then watch out for it in the show itself. Oh. So what we've done this year is each exec does... Um, we've always done it it's kind of a tradition we pair people up and they do choreography with the models and it's a way of us as a team integrating so it's a nice team building exercise but fundamentally this year what we've done is the creative vision was really emphasized so that every person that's done a walk has really investigated that particular chapter Mm -hmm. looked at the causes around it looked at the charitable nature of it and then really tried to creatively represent that chapter in the walk itself so for example um, myself, Katie Westby, who's the sponsorship director, and Meg Hugo, the arts events director, are doing the um, the trap as a walk. Um, so we've tried to really um, emphasise the mass problem of entrapment within industrial um, worker um, scenarios. So it's a very busy stage, very mechanical, very wow. military-like. There's a lot going on at once to show that it's such a busy and excited problem and that it's really um, exasperated across the world and that it involves everyone. Um, but that also it's a very um, systemic problem that's not free-flowing, that's very controlled, very um, uh, yeah, very militant in a case, and therefore very difficult to break out of this mm. because it traps people. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you can look up for that. Meg's done The Root. Yeah, um, so um, myself, Tristan, Ashley and Sue Han have done the second half of Root, which is the first walk. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our kind of key... Um, pieces of imagery that we focus on this year as seen in our 2020 logo is the production line Mm -hmm. Um, but Root for us was kind of that that stage just before the the production line and Root is kind of about individuals being being taken out of communities you know also focusing on agricultural um, industries but 
you know, that kind of loose, um, less militant kind of community feel, but then also, especially for the second half, trying to show through the choreography um, that... Um, it's broken down. Yeah, that move, that it's broken down and that move towards a slightly more regimented um, production line feel, which we will then see in amplification, which is the chapter after us and the one before last week. <laughs> um, I, I think it's been so enjoyable. I think, um, as Chaito Echa, I'm in the creative team, but it's most it's mostly a logistical operations role. And I think I'm definitely less of a creative individual, but it's something that's really great about DCMS that gives you such a good opportunity to get involved in things that you would never have dreamt of before. <laughs> um, I've done nothing with dance or choreography before, and I found it really, really enjoyable. Um, even yeah. something like this, I would never have done before. So yeah. um, I've found it a really, really good opportunity to explore my kind of creative mm-hmm. side, but also to get to know the models and the exec better as well. With the show itself this year, um, we wanted to do a lot more to make it immersive. Mm-hmm. So um, that was basically one of our... We had maybe me and the presidents were discussing how the trajectory of the campaign was going to discuss was going to unfold this year. Um, that was something that we really pinpointed as something that we wanted to define the show this year was producing an immersive experience because we felt by immersing the audience, um, they would be more engaged with the cause, they would be more engaged with the fashion, they would be more engaged in the creativity of it, and therefore really kind of unpack and understand what we've been doing for the past year. Um, so yeah, so the drinks reception this year, the tech that Tristan has been doing, um, the music that Andy has been putting together, some of which he's even created from scratch himself. He's unbelievably talented. Um, as well as all the creative team, the graphics are incredible. We really wanted to big all of that up this year to project a much more intense experience when you're in the venue itself. Um, and hopefully on a on a superficial level create a much more exciting and enjoyable experience and on a deeper level um, give um, a medium for deeper understanding and deeper engagement with what's going on. Yeah, I think it's just such a holistic experience. Mm, yeah. um, and again, touching on some of the things that we were discussing in the previous segment, um, you know, even if you aren't someone who's necessarily interested in charity or... Um, art or the other events that we kind of focus on first you know if you're if you can say connect with the piece that andy's put together for trap then you are beginning to understand at least partially um what it would be like for someone to go through that kind of exploitation and to be a part of that exploitative supply chain Mm -hmm. um even just by listening to music so i think it's just it's so exciting how cohesive the the whole campaign is this year The, the the vision itself is so neatly tied to the charitable campaign as well and I think that just means that regardless of your particular interests or what what draws you to the UCFS as as an organisation there's there's some way that you can connect with the creativity and the charity focus that is the heart of the organisation. There's so much work that's gone into making this happen so I'm just interested to know how how long has it been or how long was the process and when did you first start getting involved in this year's show? So for about March I would say I've been doing it for a year. Okay. Um, so just after the show is when exact applications go out. Um, myself and Megan would have applied at the same time. Um, I decided to go through presidential interviews um, so I applied for that role which is so in the upcoming exact applications, what happens um, for those who are interested and, and thinking about applying is that 
um, the old presidents, that would be myself, Chloe and Anna, will interview those who apply for a presidential role and choose the next presidential committee based on those applications um, that are creatively induced and interviews. And then once we've chosen the new, the three new presidents, they will then go on to choose the exec. So okay. I interviewed Megan, who was in Hong Kong <laughs> at the time on her year abroad. Um, and yes, <laughs> um, and yeah, so I think it, for myself particularly, I found out that I was taking up this role just before Easter. Yeah. Um, and I spent, probably actually I would argue one of the most stressful times of the campaign, for me anyway, I was doing... Um, my exams at that time, I had lots of forms going on. We were shifting through over a hundred applications um, and reading all of them, and they were all incredible. So they deserve so much time and attention, like brilliantly creative um, applications. Um, and then, yeah, I kind of, I think the formation of ideas was coming together at that point. We were brainstorming between the three of us of how we were going to create it this year and what the different ideas would be and what the pillars of 2020 would look like. Um, and then I think we really use those to then choose the exec mm-hmm. of who we felt really represented those values and, and who um, were really dedicated to the cause. Um, for anyone who is interested, I think the things that I would um, say are most important to us um, as interviewers um, is not necessarily experience. Um, I mean, obviously in certain areas like fashion um, or graphics or photography skills and yeah. contacts are useful. But I think the one thing that jumps out at me is... Um, commitment the idea of really believing in the what it sounds cheesy but i i think genuinely believing in the power of what the organization can do i think unless you are the sort of person that really believes in the reach and the progression and the limitless um things that dcfs can do and engage with i don't think you can really um, be expected to help push forward the organization so i think really finding people who believe in that and who are dedicated to it and really committed to it people who fundamentally understand that fashion show isn't about a fashion show but is about using it as a medium to promote charitable causes and to promote creativity and student creativity um so yeah so that's how long I've been doing I think you've been doing it maybe like a couple of months less yeah so I kind of I think kind of came into the role around May June time mm-hmm. um interviews were kind of April-ish I think um I think it, it entirely depends on your role um in terms of when your workload is the heaviest. Um, I was someone who had to kind of hit the ground running because charity selection started taking place over May and June. I think we announced our charity selection to the exec in July, um, but that was a very collaborative process. Um, every single member of the exec got the opportunity to kind of voice their opinion on our um, kind of narrowed down selection um, before we decided on the, the two, cam- uh, two charities and dual campaign approach. Um, as charity director, my role was quite heavy over summer because we were putting, starting to put together the campaign, setting up communications between the charities, with the charities. Um, as charity director, I also had to kind of start getting the exec really engaged. And then when the models, when they joined us, to get the models really engaged and to get them to understand more and more about the cause and what we were focusing on, um, doing things like awareness updates for, uh, for the organisation, um, just keep, keep, keeping people informed. Um, and then obviously starting to build the campaign with the charities and the presidential team in the background. Um, and then also outreach stuff alongside that. Um, I think my experience of the application process was incredibly positive. I 
am someone who I have I've done a lot of charity work in the past it's something that I'm really passionate about and I'm so so like grateful that I got this role for that um and I knew that I wanted to apply for it I only applied for this role um but something that I think is really great in hindsight is that you I presume it's how we're doing it this year but at least when I applied you could apply for three roles you could apply speculatively you can do an open application yeah so I did I did an open application um and you can you can apply for the presidential committee but you can also apply for say one of the presidential roles plus say charge director um and I think a couple of people they hadn't even necessarily applied for their specific role but I think something that's really great is that the, the president's team really work to you know, if someone is a really promising candidate to put them into a role where they think that their talents could really shine. Um, and I think that's really, really nice because it, it means that you can actually explore something that you might not have, have had experience in. Um, something that I'd also like to touch on that Lottie covered there was that I think it was it was so important when applying to have a real um, passion for what the organisation is capable of. But I think it's important to note that that doesn't mean you have to spend the entire application singing the organization's <laughs> praises. Um, I think the exec has done so much this year to kind of grow the organization, but it, you know it's an ongoing process, and that wouldn't have happened if we hadn't as, have looked at um, things that we could have improved on from last year or enhanced from last year, and vice versa for that year and their year before. Um, so I think something that I would say definitely touch on in your application is looking at things that you know you enjoyed about this year but also that we can improve on again next year because that's the only way that we're going to grow with an organization mm-hmm. um i think it was one of the questions actually when i applied was what would you actually improve so mm-hmm. they kind of forced you to go straight to the point mm-hmm. and i think at least as a from our perspective as a team it's actually those learning points that have been most helpful in my role it was it was the criticisms that people maybe had of the charity focus or how that was marketed that those have been most useful for me and kind mm. of growing my role this year so I think definitely look at how you as an individual can help the organization to grow more next year yeah how how big is the exact like what are some of the roles that are that um, are so we, we grew the exact this year um, by a few the exact I think is 30 people um and it has a variety of different roles creatively and logistically. Yeah. Um, on my side, there's the sponsorship team, the events team, which has social and arts events. Um, then you have um, the air operations of it, so logistics and venue director, depending on the show, along with myself. Um, and then on the creative side, you have marketing, charity. Um, you have um graphics, photography, videography, creative director, and the fashion team doing men's and women's wear. So there's so many different things that you can do no matter of your skill set. So there's so much opportunity to get involved. You don't have to think, oh, I don't like fashion or I'm not particularly creative, therefore I can't do DCFS. Um, And I think it's a fantastic opportunity, as Megan says, to um, pick up new skills and learn new things. One of the things that I wanted to do is I'd never really done anything creative before. Um, I knew that I really enjoyed the creative scene and had like um, a kind of um, interest in it but I wasn't that way inclined but I knew that it provided an opportunity for me to get an insight into that world to learn new skills from James Yallop who's doing photography to talk to Keylight Studios who are unbelievably talented and professional <laughs> and have produced some fantastic um, pieces of art um, 
and to I've had many chats with them chatting to them and they've taken me through everything and looked it all with me and like that's something that's really nice is that we're all there to help each other and teach each other and being together for over a year you create really strong bonds with people um and have such an opportunity to meet such a different variety of people that I would never have had the access to if I hadn't done fashion show and I'm sure it's the same for you like fourth years who have just come back like Megan and myself like um, I would never have met Meg and yeah, James. Um, <laughs> and now, you know, I would say I spend most of my time with five people on the exec. Like, it, it's just, um, it's such a, an amazing role and opportunity in that sense alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, just just to extend what Lottie said, I think, you know, it, within your role, there's so much creative license. I mean, I've... I, like, introducing things at the charity column this year that wasn't part of my role briefing that was something that Lottie and I and the charity website put together that's a completely new um, aspect of thread our magazine that I really hope is carried forward into next year um, even that growing the outreach projects and stuff there's so so much creative license to, to make the role your own and to do your bit to grow the organization but as Lottie said I think it's such a brilliant way to get to know such a range of people, people from all different year groups, all different degrees, all different colleges, um, and to really explore, you know, aspects of, of creativity and charity focus and operations that you wouldn't necessarily have done so. I think there is a real opportunity for, even if it's not in your role or in your team or something that you would necessarily come into contact through those areas to really get involved in other aspects of the exec. I know that Phoebe Hagen, um, who's our logistics director, got quite heavily involved in things like sponsorship over summer. Because um, it is a, it's a team operation and, and we've been working together since May, yeah. at least. Um, so yeah, it's... Well, yeah, I'm not sure there's like an alarm going off. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, um, we sort of like run out of time, but there was such a wonderful interview with you guys from DUCFS out. I really enjoyed learning so much about the whole cohesive campaign that you've built. So I'd say definitely consider applying for DUCFS exec and applications will open soon, right? Yeah, that'll open yeah. after the show. Yeah. So thank you for listening into the JY Lim show today. I'll be playing the last song, It's Vogue by Madonna. Listen in to next week's show and I'm always looking for people to interview or to come on the show to showcase their creative work or anything that you're involved in in the art scene in, uh, in Durham or anywhere really. So if you're interested, drop me a message or just um, check out my Facebook page. It's JY Lim Purple Radio. So here's Vogue by Madonna and have a good weekend or what's left of it. Purple Radio Podcasts. Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio Podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.